this morning, Luke 21. So glad to see you all here today. And uh, as we get into Luke 21, we're, uh, we're really coming right up to the end. Uh, a lot more details can be given in the, la- in the last couple chapters of Luke, of the life of Christ, as it's going to be focusing in on his, on his death, the fulfillment of his passion, the why he came, and, and, uh, and of course, his death, burial, his resurrection. And, um, and this is really one of the last teaching moments in the ministry of Christ, and it's interesting what he's going to draw our attention to. Uh, uh, as we come to the last week of Christ's uh, earthly ministry, it's, it's interesting to me as I try to put myself in his place, I try to think, you know, he's been spending three and a half years with his disciples, he's been spending this time teaching and preparing them, he's going to be the leaders of, of the church that he's uh, preparing as he's, as he's about to go on, if you would, a global initiative of, of, uh, of redeeming mankind. And uh, what are the last things that he wants them to get? What are the, some of the things he wants them to understand? And he draws us to this interesting uh, situation. Remember, he spends days, after he comes into Jerusalem, spends days teaching in the temple. One of the first days, remember what he did when he saw the money changers? We see a side of Jesus that is really kind of foreign. In fact, I think most people today would, uh, would have uh, chided Jesus and said, no, that's not very Christ-like, is it? <laughs> And, uh, but uh, he, uh, he ran out those money changes. He even fashioned a whip and uh, chased them out. And he said, uh, it's written, my house should be called a house of prayer. You've made it to a den of thieves. And with great passion, fulfilling that psalm, it says, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. And, um, and so he still spends days now teaching in the temple. And there's an observation he makes this morning we're going to look at in Luke 21. Uh, that's going to help us a little bit on the heart of giving. And it says there in Luke 21, look at verse number 1, And he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said of a truth, I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast into the offering of God, but she out of her penury hath cast in all the living she had. And uh, let's pray. Our Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. Thank you, Father, for being such a gracious God. And even as, uh, as we're not too far removed here from uh, the Easter celebration we had as we celebrated the resurrection of our Savior, Lord, I, I pray that your grace and, and the great price of our salvation would be ever on our minds and on our hearts as we consider really the great debt of gratitude that we owe you for all your bountiful blessings. Father, would you help us this morning as we look to you? And would you search our hearts as we consider the heart of worship, the heart of, uh, of sacrifice, the heart of giving, that everything that we do would be acceptable in your sight as believer priests offering these sacrifices. We love you, Father. I pray that you'd meet with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the greatest truths about giving is the fact that God is interested in the heart of the giver. It's really what makes it kind of a tough topic to talk about, to preach on. And by the way, in case you think that all the preachers ever talk about is giving, I just want you to know I'm just going to the life of Christ that we're looking at here, and this is where we're at in the text. This is a, a, a powerful lesson as he's dealt with the issues, and he brings us to this point now of, of saying, uh, of understanding that, uh, that this is a very, very important topic that God is looking at the hearts. And what amazes me about this is this. 
So many of us, and, and this is not a wrong thinking, but so many of us, we, we kind of look at it as, uh, well, giving is none of your business. It's between me and God. And that's a true statement. But I love this instance because Jesus and his disciples are standing there and they're watching this take place. It's not in some dark room somewhere. It's not, in, you know, this is something that's public, something that's visible. And, and he's watching, and he's watching how they gave. He's, he's observing some things in, uh, in, in their, their, their heart of giving. And, and how many of you understand that Jesus Christ being Lord, I hope this morning your Lord, has the right to assess the heart. He has a right to assess the works. He has a right to assess what's behind the works. And by the way, one day we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and that's exactly what he's going to do. But how much more, and by the way, it's a blessing, how much more can he uh, assess it today and in our lives right now? And if you're, if you're sensitive and desiring to please God, I hope uh, he'll put his finger on things in our lives from time to time that we can enforce, that we can correct uh, even prior to that judgment seat. Because I want... Uh, I want the best. Quite frankly, as a pastor, I want you to have a great judgment seat. I want you to be on track that when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, he's going to say a few things. One, I hope, is well done, good and faithful servant. Another thing I hope uh, takes place is that the works that you lay before him are going to come through this trial, this, this judgment, as gold, silver, and precious get burned up as wood, hand stubble. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You see, there, there, there is some economy in heaven and there is some aspect of, of how, what we send ahead for this worship of the one who made it even for us to be with him. But God uh, can ch- check us. God can test us. Christ has, 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 has all authority and all privilege, if you would, and, and the right to look at his servants and say, how are you doing? How's your stewardship? I think about uh, the seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation. And every one of them, Jesus is looking at the church. and He says, hey church, I know thy works. I know thy works. Do that at his church. And he can look and say, I know thy giving. I know thy heart. And, and in his grace, as he gives warning and caution to those churches, it's amazing, uh, that wasn't the judgment. He simply says, repent therefore and be zealous. And, and, he, and he gives these invitations for them to make corrections. And there are times in our lives where we come to this point, whether collectively as a church or even individually. And, and by the way, I think if individually God's doing some things, it's going to impact the group. Where we come and we say, search me, O God. Try me. Know my thoughts, know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. We come before him. I think about uh, Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Why is it so important? It's a matter of the heart. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Second uh, Corinthians uh, 7, uh, excuse me, 9, 7. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. By the way, Second Corinthians 9, 7, I believe, is, is, uh, is, is really the, the benchmark or the, 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 the standard, if you would, of New Testament giving. You see, people are going to give much more out of grace than they ever will out of law. 
People's hearts are going to be in the, because that's the focus now. It's the heart. How is my heart of giving before God? And, and, uh, and you know, and, and it should be, by the way, if where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That should be a, a litmus test, if you would, of our heart. Where is my heart today? If I were to look at your bank statement, <laughs> if we go through everyone in the church, we're going to put it all up on the screen and, and, and look at everybody's spending habits. I'll tell you really quick where your heart is. That's, that's just reality. Why do we work a job? Why do we do what we do? Because, because uh, it, it, of course, there are necessities. Of course, we have to take care of our family. Of course, we have to put food on the table and all these things. But, but the reality is this. You're going to give of your time. You're going to give of your treasure. You're going to give of these things, that which is important to you. I give time to my family because they're important to me. I, I, I come home at night to my wife because that's important to me. And she'd come looking for me if I don't. <laughs> One person uh, noted, and I've never gone through to do the test, but... One person has said, 15% of everything Christ said related to the topic of money and possessions. More than his teachings on heaven and hell combined... Why did Jesus put such an emphasis on money and possessions? Because there's a fundamental connection between our spiritual lives and how we think about and handle money. We may try to divorce our faith and our finances, but God sees them as inseparable. Randy Alcorn made that, that, that observation. Perhaps nowhere else in the Bible do we get a glimpse of a pure heart like we do in the story here of the widow who really gave her all to Jesus. Gave her all to God through her giving. She certainly had a, a heart consecrated to God. It was a desirous heart of, of wanting God, seeking after God. Jesus is now in the last week before, uh, before the cross, and, uh, and I'd say at most two to three days prior to his betrayal. And here he is in the temple giving some more observations and giving some more lessons, some things to look at. And uh, uh, in this event takes place in the treasury area of the temple, outside the court of the temple. And uh, the money collected in the treasury in those days in the, in the Old Testament temple system, it was for two things. It was, first of all, to support the service in the temple. Uh, the, the Levites and those workers of the temple were to live off those offerings. Uh, in fact, all the way back in the Old Testament, the Levites weren't even to own land. Uh, they, they were to, uh, they would be attached to the different tribes and they would, they would their sustenance, their, their portion was God himself. And they would, they would live off of that. So it took care of the workers of the temple. It took care of paying the bills of the temple, so to speak. But it also supported the service to the needy. Part of the ministry there, meeting the needs of others and going to the service of others. Now, what's interesting is as we, as we look at this, we consider two groups of givers. And there's a great contrast here. First, Jesus saw the, the, the rich and how they gave. And, and by the way, I, I do want to say this. Our giving today is not much different. What does it go towards? Well, well, first of all, you're giving to God. I want, I want that to be clear. I, there, was a, there was a man one time, um, a friend of our family, and uh, my dad was talking to him about giving and things. They were talking with each other, and he said, well, I don't, I don't tithe to that church. This is the church that he was a part of. And, uh, and my dad thought, why aren't you tithing? And he said, I don't think that pastor deserves my tithe. <laughs> Well, if you're tithing to a man, let me just tell you, church, I don't deserve your tithe, okay? And, uh, but if you're giving to God, uh, it's a whole different thing. 
And, uh, and by the way, we have, uh, we have some wonderful servants in our church that oversees the budget and those kinds of things. It's not just me spending it on what I think is a good idea, uh, going on spending sprees. Uh, <laughs> some people, I think that's what they think the ministry is about. But, um, but uh, same way, it, it, it supports God's work and his workers. It keeps the heat on in the wintertime, by the way. How many of you that's a blessing? We had a couple of chilly Sundays, right? That's a blessing for sure. Uh, but then it also allows us to serve and do the ministries that God has led us to here and, and Lord willing, even in the future, to do greater things. It allows us to put missionaries on the mission field, as we heard from uh, the Sheridans this morning and, and uh, the great reports that, that uh, uh, what God's doing there. I was chatting with him just the other day. We were talking, and I love technology. I'm, I'm talking to somebody. We're literally on two opposite ends of this globe. We're up near the North Pole. He's down there by the South Pole. And uh, he, uh, he said that he's closer to Antarctica than he is to his nation's capital. <laughs> I can't get much further away than this. And we're, we're chatting in real time. I think it's so neat. But, uh, you know, he sent his love to the church. He said, hey, please thank the church for, for partnering with us and loving us uh, uh, through communication and through the offerings and and so forth, and it meant a, a tremendous deal to them. And uh, by the way, they, uh, they have a couple CDs if you want to support them additionally, if you look them up on iTunes. Uh, I'm not doing, trying to do a sales pitch here, but uh, good quality music that they're trying to put out, and, and uh, uh, just an encouragement to them. But, uh, but it allows these things to take place, the giving. So you say, well, what is all this for? You know, well, first and foremost, it's, it's part of our worship to the Lord. And, 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 but, but if you, but you have to know, and some people just kind of, that's the way they think. I want to know what, what's the trail? Where is, where is it going towards? Well, it's going to the Lord's work. It allows things to take place. It allows, listen, your sacrifice allows me to take time that many of you, you don't know what's going on, uh, to, 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 to work with a struggling couple. To work with a teenager who's dealing with depression and suicidal thoughts. And, and, uh, and, and yes, I've dealt with these things even in recent days. And, and it allows those things to take place. Uh, church, you are so gracious. That allows me to be a full-time pastor and to, and to, and to, 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 to feed the flock of God among you, the Bible says, among you. And so that's a blessing. And the, these are some of the things that it goes towards. Uh, and so Jesus contrasts the givers. He sees the rich man, first of all, in verse number one. He looked up and saw rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. You know, Jesus was, again, deliberately watching the way they gave. He was watching uh, in the temple treasury, and he had uh, every right to observe the means and motives, those who were ultimately giving to him. And Second uh, Chronicles 16.9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of the, those, uh, them whose heart is perfect toward him. Um, by the way, what a tremendous verse that is. The Bible says, the eyes of the Lord, what are they doing? They're, they're searching to and fro. They're looking for people with a heart for him. They're looking, he's looking for people, uh, his eyes, they're, they're looking uh, for the heart. And, and, and what did it say? It says, where your treasure is, where your heart be also. He's looking at the way we sacrifice, the way we give. By the way, not just financially, this is all stewardship of life, but he's looking at our lives as we bring these hearts of worship to him. And he's saying, whose heart's perfect towards me? Whose heart is perfect towards me? For Samuel 16, 7, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. 
He saw, Jesus saw their pride was one of the things he observed. Jesus is not demeaning the fact that they gave, but the spirit they had when they were giving. In fact, in Luke 18, uh, verse 11 and 12, and the Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, talking about that, that, that one that was justifying himself before God. He said, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all I possess. And, and I love the observation Jesus made there. There were two men there, and there was a Pharisee praying with himself. Tell God how great he is. Uh, uh, trying to look to God as, Lord, aren't you impressed with me? Aren't you impressed? And, he, and he, you know, can you just imagine talking to God that way? Lord, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why you should bless me. Boy, if I start going down that trail, I start looking to God and say, Lord, why do you bless me? It, it turned it from a statement to a question. Why do you bless me? The other man, the publican, the Bible says that he, he, uh, he wouldn't even lift up his eyes, and he was beating his chest saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus made this powerful, sobering statement. One of them men walked away justified. Whoa. And it wasn't the Pharisee. See, he addresses this heart of giving, how they gave. Oswald Chambers said, with Christ, it is not how much we give, but what we do not give, that is the real test. Hey, what are you holding back? Lord, you can have this area and this area and this area of my life, but, but right here, no, no, this is, I'm reserving this square. This is my, this is, this is my place, I think. And God says, that's funny, that's the one thing I want. That's what I'm after. Why? Because he wants our hearts. And anytime we draw a line, we say, hey, this is far enough, you can't go any further. That's the moment we cross the line into idolatry. That's what takes place. He saw their pride as they gave. He says uh, they, they, they were casting their gifts into the treasury, and, and uh, he saw their pompousness. The word there, cast, is an interesting word. It means, uh, it means to throw or to like slam down. And uh, what they would have is they had a number of... Uh, uh, of um, uh, containers where these uh, offerings would be placed, and they had, uh, they had kind of a horn sticking out of it, so, so as you would put in the, the coins, it would kind of roll down the horn and, and, and make noise, and, and if you throw it, what happens if you throw a coin into a box of coins? Makes a loud noise, doesn't it? Might even sound like there's more being thrown in than you actually threw in, because <laughs> it kind of jingles, it kind of clings, and uh, and it was almost like it was a, a show kind of a thing, a uh, 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 kind of an, an appearance, you know. All right, everyone, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> and they throw it in there. Whoa! Did you how much he gave? I saw a video one time, and it kind of broke my heart. But this passage came to mind, and this church was having this uh, offering time, and. And, and, and the people were like, like dancing and like showing off as they're bringing their offering. And some guy's doing like these moves and falling on the ground and almost knocked this lady out as he's like showing off this, this very showy way that he's bringing his offering. Now in their mind, I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe they were thinking, I'm, 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 I'm so overwhelmed with joy that I'm dancing my offering down the aisle or whatever. But it just, it just seemed so showy. And I'm like, wait a minute. 
You know, whatever happened to let, you know, not let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. And, you know, you, this is a very, uh, really, it's a time of worship. It's really what it is. I hope we never get to the point where we're on the other side, mechanical. Well, it's offering time. And we, we just kind of do our thing. We, we don't think about it. We don't understand that. I'm, I, I, this is a part of my worship before the Lord. But they'd cast their money in such a way it made a show of them. And they weren't wrong because they were rich. They were wrong because they were proud and they weren't sacrificial. In fact, even uh, Paul challenged Timothy. He said, uh, he said, hey, Timothy, charge them. Put a, put, put a charge, a challenge out there. Charge them that are rich in this world that they not trust in their uncertain riches. Hey, uh, don't, don't thank your somebody because you have money or because you have means. And then, and then he went on how they're to use their money to be a blessing. They're to use their money uh, to, to, to be an encouragement, to help others and, and so forth. Uh, uh, someone said this, Christians are to be rivers, not reservoirs. Channels, not containers. You see, for some, it was a show. For some, it was, uh, look what I'm doing. You know, as the plates go by, you make sure your envelope is face up. Hey, Usher, did you see that? See how much that was? Make sure, make sure Pastor gets word of this. He'll be so impressed. By the way, I don't, I don't look at the uh, giving report or anything. I, um, so I don't know. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, just so you guys know. But it's about a show. It's about notoriety. But then the Bible says, look at verse number two. And he saw also, there's a contrast that takes place. He saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. Now a small brass coin, it was worth about a fifth of a cent or a fifth of a, a day's wages. And, uh, and so she cast this in and, and it really shows the extreme poverty of this widow. She was uh, so financially poor, but, uh, but, but, but rich in her faith in God. The donation boxes at the treasury were, uh, were raising funds to help people like her. In fact, what's interesting is being a poor widow, she had every right, she had every opportunity. She could have shown up and gone to the priest and said, I've got seeds today. And they could have. It was part of their, 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 their purpose. It was a part of their service. They could have taken from that same treasury and said, here, go buy yourself some bread. Here, go meet these needs. She was a poor widow. And that was part of the service, that was part of those things. But rather, rather than, than coming in and seeing what she needed, uh, seeing what she was entitled to, she rather felt privileged uh, uh, to give rather than entitled to receive. By the way, I want to say this, that though I don't think anyone in here is a, is a, is a poor widow with no more than two mites to give, it's amazing how this thinking kind of uh, can creep into churches. Well, what can they do for me? What's in it for me? How can, how can, uh, what can the church do for me? My wife one time was, uh, was away at a, uh, a women's seminar, uh, women counseling, women training. And where it was at, it was located at, was uh, out of cell service, out of range. And uh, there was a lady in the church that, uh, that kept calling my wife. And at some point, uh, uh, she left a message. I, ju- I see uh, your church just doesn't care about me. 
And uh, this is all within like one day. She left like 20 messages. And I, and I see you just don't care about me. And, uh, and, and my wife finally got a hold of her and talked her out. But, uh, but, but, but we have that mentality sometimes. We say, well, you know, what are they going to do for me? Well, how, how are you going to help me? What do you, you know, rather than saying, you know, I don't have much, but here's what I can do. Here's what I can do. Here's how I can support. Here, here's how I can be a blessing. Here's how I can serve God. It may not be much as far as if we're to lay out all of our gifts and compare what each person can do. It may not be much, but it's something. And, and it's amazing how Jesus looked at it. He said, here are all these rich men, and in his assessment gave nothing. And this poor little widow woman gave everything. 2 Corinthians uh, 8. Really, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, the whole chapters are just tremendous passages on, on really the heart of giving. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Get this now. How then in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. Here's what he's saying. Uh, on the one hand, they had great uh, affliction. And he said, but they had an abundance of joy. That's weird. We, we, we think of things, oh, those poor, those poor people in their affliction. Hey, they're saying, don't feel sorry for us. Look at this, what we have. And in their, their great poverty, what did they do? They gave liberally. You say, that doesn't make any sense. You go to and he's going to say, I'm sorry, you're in deep poverty. You can't give. And, and say, wait a minute, these guys have the mentality, no, we are going to give. In fact, we're going to give very liberally. It doesn't make sense. But what is he talking about? Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Corinth about these believers, and he said, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on them. Folks, it wasn't them, it was the grace of God. And then verse number three in that, in that chapter, it says, for to their power, I bear them record, yea, beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we'd receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And uh, and what was it saying? He said, uh, it said they start off to their power, and then he said even beyond their power, beyond their ability. And how did this all happen? They first gave of themselves. By the way, once you've given yourself to God, it doesn't matter if he tells you to go somewhere. It doesn't matter if he tells you to do something. It doesn't matter if he tells you to give something. Our heart is, I'm in. You know, it's one of those, it's one of those people that say, hey, can I, can I have you do something? Thing. Well, I haven't told you what it is yet. doesn't matter. Anything. <laughs> what commitment? Have you given God a blessing for your life like that? Folks, this really isn't about money, though we're talking about money. Money's the illustration. It's about the heart. God will use money to strengthen our trust in Him. It's often through money that God can clearly and object, uh, object, uh, excuse me, objectively show us that he is God and in control of everything. And I'm sure we can go around the room and even talk about times. God showed himself to be faithful when we had nothing, when we were struggling, when we were literally praying for our daily bread. And God met those needs. You know, it's, it's amazing those times. But then he uses us to meet other needs, and to be a blessing and to, to, to pass that on. You see, we see people giving for the wrong reasons. Then we see a widow woman who, uh, who really, she could ask, she could have taken what she gave, she sacrificed. You know, this story is a bit humbling, isn't it? 
don't know about you, when I read this and I consider this, 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 this little widow woman who didn't have means and had probably very little. And Jesus' assessment of hers, she gave everything. And I think to myself, what have I given? We have a song in our hymnal, and uh, it's kind of from the perspective of Jesus Christ. And he says, uh, I gave my life to thee. What hast thou done for me? Oh, it's really kind of a convicting song. And the longer the song goes on, I'm like, can we just be done with this song? Because <laughs> uh, if we really were to assess it, folks, we haven't even begun to say thank you to him. We see not only the contrast that Christ gives of these two, but, but he makes some commentary now. Uh, he comments on it. Verse number, uh, uh, verse number three, first of all, regarding the widow's offering. And he said, of a truth, I say to you, that this poor widow has cast in more than they all. More than they all. Jesus said that this, this widow woman, she uh, she'd given more than all the rich men, all, than they all. And by the way, that was a, there was a plurality of men that were doing this. And to, to you know, uh, our thinking, humanly thinking, we're, if, if we were with a couple of the disciples there, maybe standing there and they're watching the giving that's taking place, and... Uh, and they hear all this, all, all the change hitting the bottom and all the, the rattling and the noise that it makes. And, and uh, wow, Jesus, did you hear that? That was impressive. Wow, look at how much they gave. Look at what these guys are doing. And I can just see Jesus there, very serious. and just Wow, look at that. And, uh, and maybe, you know, they had about 13 or so of these, uh, these uh, things lined up. And I could see maybe all the attention is drawn to where these are at. But maybe Jesus is looking over on this end. He's like, there's someone over here doing something too. And all his attention goes to this, this analysis and this assessment of what this little widow woman's doing while everyone's got their eyes on, look at these guys, look at how they're giving, look at all this, wow, this is amazing, listen, you know, we're, we're really raking in the money today. And Jesus said, that doesn't impress me. Another illustration that God's ways are so far from our ways. But he looks at this and he makes this observation in Hebrews 13, verse number 15 and 16, he says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. He says, here's, here's one way we, sac- we can sacrifice. It's the sacrifice of praise. What do we do? We give thanks with our lips. You say, well, that's not much of a sacrifice. Yeah? How often do you give thanks to God with your lips? It says Continually. Well, that's not much of a sacrifice. And I, I believe it's, it's, it's to God's word, of course, but I, th- I think it's also to others. Look what God's doing. Let's draw attention to him. Let's, let, let's, let's sing some songs that give glory to him, that talk about his goodness, that talk about his greatness. Let's, let's express some things. Let's share some testimonies. Let's, let's spend some time in worship and, and with our lips uh, simply praise his name. How much of our prayer is made up of, Lord, I need this and I need this and I need this and I need this. By the way, that's not wrong. That's the definition of prayer. But how much of it is really a sacrifice of praise to him? But then it goes on and it says this in verse number 16. But to do good and communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So he says there's some activity, do good. And then communicate. The word there, communicate, it, it carries the idea of a gift or a contribution. You know what it's saying? While you are sacrificing with your praise, most people, they say this, uh, uh, you know, what? 
what to you praise and worship? Well, for most, it's singing some songs. Maybe clapping your hands a little bit. Maybe throwing your hands in your eyes. Yeah, we had a wonderful worship service. That might be part of it. But then it goes on. It says, uh, do good and communicate. Forget not. Don't forget to bring something. And all throughout Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, you look at the giving. So worship was always connected to some, some form of sacrifice. Because I am ascribing the worth of something. That's what the word worship means. I'm ascribing worth to. And so based on the sacrifice, based on the gift, I'm saying from my heart, here's how worthy I believe you are. Boy, that makes some conviction. Can we get those plates back? I want to I try again. I, 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 think I, I think I came short. Because based on my offering, I, I don't think I said to God, uh, you're worthy. That's a convicting thought. It's the same word that's used in Philippians 4.15, that word communicate. Now, you Philippians know also in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only see it was a substance. It was a financial offering. You see, see, I can tell you about this woman, or I can't tell you that when she came in giving, I can't tell you that she was singing. I can't tell you that there was a song or there was a sacrifice of praise. I can't tell you what was going on. In fact, I think she was a very humble woman, but I can probably, I think this would be a safe guess. She probably had incredible joy in her heart. There's probably an excitement inside. These, these rich men who are giving a bunch don't quite get it. Those that might be watching that were there at the temple might not get it. But there was something between her and her God that as she humbly brought these two mites, probably very quietly dropped them in. She knew, she knew that, 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 that God understood what that was. God understood this gift. Lord, you know all things. You, you know what I'm bringing to you. Someone once said, man's extremity is God's opportunity. Lord, I've given everything. I, I can't do anymore. This is as far as I can go. If anything happened, Lord, you're going to do it. You know, it's kind, of the, it's kind of what was illustrated when Peter stepped out of the boat, wasn't it? He was at a literal, physical extremity. We are not made to walk on water. I believe he was far enough away from the boat that he had no other recourse but to call on Jesus. Otherwise, he would have just grabbed the side of the boat. And what was it? Lord, I, this is as far as I can go. So he prayed that simple prayer. Save me. <laughs> Help me. And I love that story because it's not a story of failure. The story of Jesus picking him up and saying, all right, what can we learn now? What can we do from here? This woman, no doubt, had a song in her heart, no doubt had joy as she gave. Then he made an assessment of the rich man's offering. Verse 4, for all these have of their abundance cast into the offering, offerings of God out of the abundance 
The, the word there, abundance, means the overflow, the remaining, the, the extra, the pocket change, if you would. It was the extra. It wasn't a sacrifice, though, though monetarily, if you put a dollar amount on it, wow, this looked impressive. But when you consider uh, even percentage-wise of what they could give, uh, that wasn't that impressive. You see? For some of you, it'd be a pretty, pretty deep sacrifice and a pretty impressive thing if you were to just write today a $1,000 check and give it to God. But for Bill Gates, <laughs> he'd, he'd lose money wasting time writing the check. <laughs> See, and that's how... It's not about the dollar amount. It was about uh, what did this represent? Oh, you know, and, and if, if all you're doing is, you know, what do I have in my pockets today? All right, this, I got something to put in. Just so it makes a clink as, you, as it goes by? Is that, is, that, is that your goal so you don't feel guilty? So somebody saw you do something? You see? It was out of the abundance. The rich men gave, uh, gave amounts of money in their offering, but the widow gave everything. Dwight Pentecost said this uh, powerful statement on this. He said, "The gifts of the wealthy brought no commitment from uh, excuse me brought no comment from Jesus, for he knew the hypocrisy in their giving. They were giving to be seen of people. Such gifts are unacceptable to God, but he gave, uh, but his gaze was riveted by a solitary figure. When you consider all these people that were giving, he says that was not to him." He upon a single person. His, his gaze was on a solitary figure. He said, look at this woman. Look at how she's giving. And he's telling his disciples, in essence, that's the heart of giving right there. That's the heart God is looking for. That's what he's after. So Jesus commends the sacrifice. The end of verse 4, but she of her penury has cast in all the living that she had. We learn from the widow how a pure heart will give in worship. She didn't draw attention uh, to how the rich men gave. She wasn't there giving and saying, wow, look at, look at what they're doing. I wish I could be part of that. I wish I, wish I could do what they're doing. She, she, she wasn't drawing their attention. It was, it was something about her and God as she was coming before him. You just say a sure way to lose one's blessing is to focus on others. Well, I don't serve like they serve. I don't give like they give. I don't. And, you know, uh, Paul even had, uh, had mentioned this in one of the epistles where he says, uh, when we compare ourselves among ourselves, we are not wise. Because it's not about them. Can I tell you a secret? Though we are after the same destination, we are all on a different journey. Christ is the end for us. Amen. And of course, all the things that that means. I'm, I'm talking heaven, eternity, all those things. But it, it's really Christ is the destination. But every one of us have a journey. See, it's not a cookie cutter type of deal. It's not, uh, we'll check this box, then this box, then this box, then this box. We're all after, after the Lord. So, so I can't say, all right, for the next step of your spiritual growth, we're going to have to go from $1,000 to $1,500. And then, and then the next step, we're going to go to $2,000. You see, it's not a dollar amount. In fact, even, even when, when, the, when the, the tithe was first initiated, it, it, the, the, the tithe was not a dollar amount. Anybody know what the tithe is, what the definition of a tithe is? 10%. You know what's cool about 10%? A widow can afford 10%, and a rich tax collector can afford 10%. 
because it's not a dollar amount. What's 10% of a mite? <laughs> a tenth of a mite. If a mite's all she had, maybe she had to wait 10 weeks and just give one mite. <laughs> but, but you can give a tenth. I ask my children sometimes when they, get, uh, when they get a gift or something, I say, now what's 10% of that? And they'll they move the decimal. Oh, here it is. 10%. And they know exactly what that means. That's the starting place. So let's, let's make sure that, 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 that we give him the first fruits. Let's make sure that he is honored first and foremost. But she gave. She didn't compare to others. She, 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 she was her heart with the Lord. She was, she was focused on God. That's, that's why she was able to sacrifice. Romans 14, 12. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. See, it's not about others. As we consider this, her giving was sacrificial. He said, he said she gave more than all of them. She gave out of the, the, the penury, uh, out of her living that she had given. The word uh, penury means uh, poverty, destitution, out of, out of having nothing. That, that was her, if, you, if, if we were to put it on a financial level, like a caste level, this woman was in poverty. She gave out of that. And, and when it says of her living, uh, uh, she, she gave all the living she had. The word living there, it means uh, uh, that life-sustaining. It means necessities. In other words, I can either go buy bread today or I can worship God today. That, that, that's how deep this woman gave. That's how deep she dug. It wasn't like, okay, all my bills are paid and now, now here's what's left over and you know what, I'm just going to give it all. I mean, this is, a, this is a deep, deep sacrifice. And this is the heart. Again, we're, after, we're looking at the heart of this. 2 Corinthians 8, 5, that those people, those Christians in Macedonia, it says, And this they did, not as they hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. That's Paul writing there, and, uh, and he's talking about the church's commitment to them as they're doing the Lord's work, as they're as they leave suffering Christians in Jerusalem and, and, the, and the things that they were doing on their mission. He says they, gave their first, they first gave themselves to God. They gave themselves to the ministry and to, to what God was doing through them. And a wonderful illustration, by the way, of what God does through his church. I mean, there was something going on. They said, we want to get behind, but first we have to check ourselves. We have to assess ourselves and give of ourselves. And by the way, that's the first step of stewardship. You take an assessment. You take account. What do I have to give? And then from there, commit. There was a chaplain. He was visiting a soldier that had been wounded in battle. And he tells this soldier, he says, son, you, uh, uh, you've lost your arm or he lost his arm in battle. You lost your arm for a great cause. And that soldier corrected the chaplain. He said, no, I, I, uh, I've given my arm for a great cause. You know, sometimes we look at this, well, I, I, I'm losing this amount, okay? We're doing our monthly budget, honey. Let's sit down and let's look at what we got, okay? From the beginning, let's, let's, let's make sure we, we lose that 10%. No, 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 no. No, you haven't lost it. You haven't lost it. In fact, the, you know, we're even challenged in... Uh, uh, in Jesus' uh, Sermon on the Mount, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, not on earth. It's not lost. You see, we're not instructed to give everything that we own, but we are instructed to give sacrificially. Sacrificial giving is a matter of faith. 
It, it, it really is. It's a matter of, 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 of faith. It, uh, how far I'm going to commit, how far I'm going to take this thing. It's, it, it's, it's a matter of trust and seeing uh, to whom you are giving. How is my heart towards him? There is a matter of faith there. And, and, and as giving uh, increases and faith increases, it's amazing. Uh, when you first start out in the Christian life and you first learn of this thing of giving and, uh, and, 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 and you just, you panic when you think, wow, 10%, this is insane. I can't, even, I can't even pay my bills right now and, and now I'm saved and I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to honor God and I'm supposed to give it. And you kind of start panicking, <laughs> you know, hyperventilating as you're doing the math in your head. And so we say, well, why don't you try it for a while? Move me here with, saith the Lord. So you say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. I'm going to give 10% for 90 days and just see what happens. By the way, when you're watching, expecting God to do something, pay attention. Pay attention. And you start looking for things, looking for little blessings here and there, and you you get to the point where it goes from a, tri- a, tri- a test, a trial, to a conviction. See, some of us have come to a point where, 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 where it's now a conviction. You know, I may skip out on some bills, but this is one thing I'm not going to skip out on. And it becomes a conviction. I, I'm not going to rob from God. I, uh, you know, And then, and then it grows, and I say, well, what's, what's that? There's a, there's a need on the mission field? What's that? Um, the Fagalis need, need money to get their Bible college started over there in the Middle East? What's that? Uh, uh, you know, there are projects to, 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 to be a part of. What's that? Uh, 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 fellowship Hall before this old one collapses underneath us? <laughs> what's going on? Uh, I can do that. And we, and we say, what's God going to do next? How, how's he going to show himself strong next? So we take that to the next level. Someone once said, ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. Folks, ministry all the way back in the old temple and uh, today, it takes money. But let's not forget what that money's attached to. Where your treasures are your heart be also. Her giving was sacrificial. Her giving was personal. Look at, uh, again, the last part. She says, but she gave of her penury, uh, uh, hath cast in all the living that she had. You can't get much more personal than that. Cast in all the living that she had. 2 Corinthians uh, 9, 7 and 8. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart. There's a, there's a purposeness. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a heart level conviction. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, See, that's where you take the law out of it. It is a heart matter between you and God. Uh, not grudgingly of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Someone once said, uh, well, if I'm not cheerful, then uh, maybe I shouldn't give. And, and the, they said, well, God will accept it from a grouch as well. And there's some truth to that, but, uh, but again, God's after the heart. Where's the heart on this thing? And, and uh, God loves a cheerful giver, and, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. And the, the whole context of that chapter and the chapter before is this idea of this grace of giving. And he's going to make all grace abound to you, and uh, so that ye, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. And it talks about these other graces, a grace of faith, a grace of diligence, a grace of love, a grace of knowledge. And goes through these things and says, all grace may abound. Why? Because this is connected to our heartstrings. 
Someone said money is, is so intimately related to our possessor, uh, to the possessor, excuse me, that you cannot give money without giving a part of yourself. By the way, we're taking our teenagers, or we just wrapped up taking our teenagers through a Dave Ramsey uh, program that was designed for teens. And I love it. Some of the principles in there, he talks about when you give, especially a certain dollar amount, and there's, there's, a, there's a psychological thing that takes place when you're giving a, uh, physical money versus just swiping a card. And uh, why? Because it's a part of you. And you know once it's you're not getting it back. Well, that's by design what money is. Think about it. I sacrifice I, of the sweat of my own brow. I worked and I received for the work that I did. What was that? That was your physical investment to receive this return. And now I'm going to go take that and get rid of it. Part of yourself kind of goes with it. Ooh, that hurt a little. Oh, that, you know. And so where your treasures are your heart. So is this really worth this? Is this really, uh, what, I, what I'm putting this towards, is this a worthwhile purchase? As they purpose it in his heart. And then her, pleasing, uh, her gift was pleasing to Christ as she gave all that she had. When we give sacrificially to the Lord, we please God. Really, here's the question. Do you want to please him? Do you want to please him? Philippians 4, verse 15 through 18 is a wonderful chapter. The whole last, chap, uh, last part of chapter 4 in Philippians talks about a sacrificial giving, talks about supporting the missionary, the church planner Paul. It says, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye also, that communication is a financial gift. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. So here's one thing he's saying about this. When we are giving to the work of the Lord, when that money goes directly to the work of the Lord and produces fruit, that fruit abounds to the giver's account. Pretty awesome. That's why we can partner with these missionaries, for example. And then he says this, uh, uh, but I have all and abound, talking about himself personally, and received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent uh, from you. Get this now, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice well-pleasing to God. You know what that is? That's Old Testament phraseology about these free will offerings. This wasn't a sin sacrifice. This wasn't, a, you know, uh, d- different sacrifices that laid out in the Old Testament. This was a free will offering given to God, that heart of love. God says it comes up to his nostrils as a sweet smell. So when you give, when that plate passed by, I wonder what the spiritual scent was in this building. I wonder if God looked down and went, ah, that's nice. Because we saw two groups giving in this account. And one did not smell good. And he says it's a, swell, it's a well-pleasing odor, if you would. And listen, just like this widow was well-pleasing to God, just like the Philippians were well-pleasing to God, we can be well-pleasing with our gift. In essence, we are saying, God, I love you. Folks, this is not for me to gain grace. It's not for me to be more acceptable by God. It's simply because I am accepted by God. It's simply because I am in a right standing. And because I am uh, in, in God's graces, if you would, I am, God, I love This woman could have said, give me, I have need. Instead, she had a heart of love and gratitude and said, you've done so much for me, God. How can I not give? What can I give? 
So as we wrap this up, she didn't give to earn salvation. No amount of money can get a person into heaven. This is very important. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can. People try to pay their way into heaven. They try to work their way into heaven. They try to uh, sacrament their way into heaven. They try all these things. But let me just say, uh, this is from a heart that says, I've been redeemed. I'm already saved. I'm already in this stand with God. I just love you. There's a song that, uh, a gospel song. Uh, uh, he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. Folks, I couldn't pay. He paid it. He paid it. First Peter 1, 18 and 19. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish, without spot, See, a man may go to heaven without health, without riches, without honors, without learning, without friends, but he can never go there without Christ. See, it's not about that. Jesus paid it all. As he hung there on the cross, one of his last words, it is finished. No more sacrifice to be made, no more debt to be paid. He took care of it all. Folks, this is for those who have tasted, seen that the Lord is good. What can I do? What can I do? you can give. Here's what she gave. She gave out her love for God. 2 Corinthians 15, uh, or 5, 14, the Bible tells us the love of Christ constraineth us. There's a drawing and there's a, 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 a yearning to, to serve, to give, to whatever God wants for me to do. Why? Because of the love of Christ. It's so powerful. This poor widow didn't have much to give when she compared uh, to the rich men, but she offered a... Uh, rich man who offered large money, but she gave everything that she could as proof of her love and devotion to him. So as we take a little visit to this first century temple and the lesson of the Lord Jesus Christ, I hope we understand some of these things that there's, a, there's motives that he's looking at. There's a heart that he's looking at. Remember when Jesus gave that story, many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, and they list all these things they did for the Lord. Having not prophesied in thy name, cast out devils, done many wonderful things. He said, I'll never knew you. Ye that work with iniquity. You know what he was doing? Assessing the motives. The heart. They did it their way. And folks, when we come, don't get mechanical. Don't get you know, stuck in a formula. Say, God, what a privilege it is for me to give to you a portion of what you've trusted me with. Folks, that's stewardship. That stewardship is taking us. Take an account as we give, as we worship. It's sacrificial worship out of a pure heart with God. Should we have a word of prayer this morning? My Father, we do thank you for our time together today. And Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, assess our hearts, Lord. And may we come to that place, starting with me, that, that we say we're all in. Lord, whatever you ask,